Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 94. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast, and we're coming at you with another weekly episode. We're in the 90s. We're close to 100 episodes, and it's been a journey, and I'm really glad to have another talent to follow on the podcast with us. We have Macarena Paton from Spain, I believe. Yes? Yes. Hi, guys. It's nice to be here. Yes, thank you so much, Macarena, for taking some time out of your day to sit and have a chat with us. Um, we all know that 2020 has been like a really crazy year. So how has this year been for you so far? Um, well, for me, it has been very challenging. and But it gave me also the opportunity to develop new things. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. What new things are you leveling up? So I started my online shop like two years ago now and mm-hmm. so I've been trying to improve it because I cannot travel and sell like usually I was doing on the festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been uh, um, developing it a bit more and also I had time to do things that I, uh, I wasn't doing for the last couple of years like spending time with friends or families, mm-hmm. barbecues, uh, time in the beach or whatever. And also doing and organizing many dance online events, which was very new and challenging. Uh, yeah, that's how I've been spending like this crazy quarantine <laughs> coronavirus thing. Yeah, definitely. And also, this is your podcast, so you can definitely let the people know your the name of your dance shop. Feel dance free life. to let people know. Dance Life. I know yes. I've been seeing you posting different things in your Instagram stories with different outfits and yeah. bodysuits and mm-hmm. all that. So that's really, really yeah. awesome. And what city in Spain are you living in now? So I'm originally from Sevilla, but now I'm living in Malaga. Mm-hmm. It's not far, it's just two hours away. Okay. It's next to the sea, so it's super nice, beautiful, still sunny now. It's mm-hmm. great. Nice. I remember going to Europe and people were telling me that I had to check out the, was it Tenerife Islands Tenerife. or something like that? Tenerife Island, yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's one of the of the most beautiful places in the world. It's super beautiful. Mm. You have the beach, of course, you have mountain, you have very like natural swimming pools, let's say. Mm. Or I got you. It's beautiful, yeah. 
Yeah, it's definitely on my list to, to visit that place, but um, that'll be when the country start accepting the American passports and international travel. We're going yeah. to see what's going to happen with that because I keep seeing different headlines where like they're going to require vaccines and then how are you going to like get a bunch of countries to all be on the same system to know which vaccine is valid and yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't know what's going to happen, but it looks hard here. Like, <laughs> I didn't travel since first weekend of March. This, this mm. has never happened to me since, I don't know, eight, nine years ago or something. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, Macarena. So, for the people listening on the podcast and maybe they have seen your name around or maybe they haven't heard of you before, can you give the audience a a short description of how your 2019 looks. So I'm like basically painting a picture of how your life looked right before COVID hit. What was your like role before, in the dance scene? What were you doing? Yeah, 2019. Yes. So before COVID, uh, like a couple of years ago, I decided that I was fully going to dance. So my life was about pack um, <laughs> every weekend, travel, flight, and attend festivals where I used to teach and mm -hmm. dance in the nights with people. And I'm missing it so much, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And yeah, while like in between during the weeks, um, I like always to study and. Uh, I was, as I said before, starting developing my online shop. Mm -hmm. So that was basically what I was doing before. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's crazy to be traveling as often as we used to travel almost every weekend. And then festivals and music and dancing is very common. And then now it's been, what, nine months almost that we haven't traveled anywhere. So it's really crazy. But I mean, there's, there's definitely like a sad part to like not being able to see the people that you're used to seeing more often and, and, and things like that. And of course you have the DJs and like the, the ambiance at the festivals and the socials and not doing able, being able to do those things has been like a little sad, but at the same time, even though we can't do those things, it's important to like find the things that we are kind of grateful for, you know, and this not it's even though it's like one of our, our most favorite parts of our lives, it's not the only part of our lives. So it's been nice to like be able to focus on other things like you were saying before, you know, yeah. and for me, I've been playing a lot of tennis and I haven't played really? tennis <laughs> since like high school. So it's been like wow. almost 10 years or so I got a racket. I found some new tennis friends and now I'm playing like three, four times a week. And it's been really, really cool. But this wouldn't have been possible if I was still traveling and organizing and everything like that. So it's it's interesting to find the balance, you know. And then, um, you know, that I had my surgery earlier this year. And yeah. that's also like, hey, I have two arms. I have two legs. I'm not in pain. Yeah. My heart is working. So you have to kind of like find um, the gratitude in those things, you know. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. Like here, just little things like inviting people home and cooking and chatting and that's nice it's like we forgot about this mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's cool so maybe that's going to change the future who knows definitely to be able to like be exposed to those other parts of our lives you know and i guess wean ourselves off of the kizomba addiction a little bit yeah <laughs> 
Yes. So Macarena, let's go ahead and talk about how you first got started into dance. I believe you were born in Sevilla, yeah. Spain. Yes. Tell us how it was being born there and how you finally got introduced into dance. Uh, so like in here in South of Spain, especially probably like the music and the dance is you have it everywhere and every day and especially like um, any meeting with the family or let's say weddings, communion, whatever. It's very like common to, to dance, especially like kind of flamenco, rumba or sevillanas or whatever. So mm -hmm. since you're very small, like especially girls, you know, you, you learn from your mom or from your aunt or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, I like it a lot. So when I was just five, my mom um, put me into flamenco classes. So I started very early, like with the flamenco and um, then I've been always around dancing like I wasn't professional so I was not like studying this like ballet or whatever since small mm -hmm. but I've been always doing like hip-hop or belly dance or whatever in my teenage years you know ages mm -hmm. or whatever and then I've been doing this more professionally uh, since I was like 18 mm -hmm. uh, that I had finished my high school. And so I came first year to the chemical engineer, which I didn't like it. So I didn't know how to spend the rest of the year and not wasting my time. So um, I was in a school, in a dance school, like full time, like contemporary ballet, whatever, hip hop, jazz, mm -hmm. ballet, everything. And uh, trying to learn a bit and also like uh, taking classes, how to become professional, musicality, teaching, um, creating choreographies or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's how I, where I took it like more seriously, let's say. Mm -hmm. I got you. So you mentioned before that you get exposed to dance by your mom or by your aunt or something like that. Was there somebody in particular in your life that kind of was your first teacher or exposed you to dancing? Yeah, like my mom, I guess. She she dances flamenco like in Sevilla or whatever and family. And my grandmother was a professional flamenco dancer. Um, so I don't know. It's like, I, I guess like in Latin cultures, like where they mm -hmm. live the music around here is a bit like that. Like it depends on your family, if they listen to it or not, mm -hmm. uh, like always connected to music. Like my mom, for example, she, while she's cooking or whatever, she's going to have the, the radio on and she sings, mm -hmm. like, you know? Yeah. I got you. So I don't know a ton about flamenco, but I'm a little bit curious. So can we say like, like Buenos Aires, Argentina is like the hub of tango. Is Sevilla the hub of flamenco? Mm, yeah, kind of like the thing is like nowadays, uh, since all uh, like at the end, <laughs> it's about money. The mm -hmm. almost, I, I would say that maybe you can find more flamenco in Madrid. Or even in mm -hmm. Barcelona, mm -hmm. uh, still a lot, of course, in Sevilla. But I mean, like compared to the the quantity of people who really dances, because probably in Sevilla or even Cadiz, uh, like there mm -hmm. are more gypsies, let's say, and, mm -hmm. and not even gypsies, like normal people, uh, they dance uh, a bit always. Like we have this big party. Uh, like big event in Sevilla, mm -hmm. like with five million people coming, which is called Feria, uh, where mm -hmm. 
where those dresses and like the main point to like to go there is meet people but you also dance all the time if you go to other ferias let's say to other countries i countries uh, cities like i don't know malaga or cadiz or whatever they don't mm -hmm. have flamenco that much in there but in sevilla it's like I'll go anywhere and dance disco music or whatever it's just flamenco 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 you know so yeah maybe. interesting i got you and another question that came to mind about flamenco was i mean obviously like the image that gets painted in my mind when i hear flamenco is a woman dancing with mm -hmm. like maybe a long skirt or something like that yeah and so that's more of a solo dance Um, is there a part for like male dancers or are they mostly the magician or I'm sorry, magicians, musicians? There are actually many male dancers. Like I think um, foreign people, maybe when they think about flamenco, the idea is more also about the, that dress you think about, but like flamenco and you, you know, toros mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all this culture the is, uh, is also very Yeah, matadores. Yes, uh, it's um, it's also for men. Like, actually, there are many, many men who dance flamenco as well. Like famous people, mm -hmm. like the people who goes to you know theaters or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think it can be like almost fifty-fifty men and females. I got uh, you. But yes, it's like it's like a solo dance. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say flamenco is divided in, in many parts, you know, so it's like one, uh, I don't know, if, if it's like if you say Latin, but then it's like salsa, but yeah. salsa, and in mm -hmm. salsa, many, okay, so flamenco is the same. So, yeah, the, the most of them are solo, but then, then it's like Sevillanas, which is dancing couple. And um, even if it's solo, like rumba, like rumba in flamenco is same than rumba uh, in in salsa. Like you mm -hmm. don't dance rumba in reality like yourself. You dance like, uh, with another person. Normally it's a, it's a dance like between men and women. So it's kind of the same. Like you, it's solo, but you in like... Yeah, like you play with the, the people around you when you do it. Exactly. There's like these set kind of steps and moves to kind of dance around each other and things yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like um like the beginnings of a, of a ballroom dance, if you will, you know? Because, yeah. you know, sometimes you go to those like, I imagine watching old movies with like these high society kind of dances and like the men and the women can't touch, but like they're doing their choreographies mm. and like maybe making eye contact and things yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah. Mm, man, it's like mm. kind of flirting or whatever. Yeah, that's the exactly. <laughs> and then they couldn't take it anymore, and then they finally touched each other <laughs> and yeah. started dancing kizomba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing that struck me curious when you were sharing your story was that you say you didn't like chemical engineering. So <laughs> that makes me ask: Did you choose that, or did your parents make you take that, or what was the story behind that? Um. So when I was in the high school, I always had to like had the best marks or whatever. So mm -hmm. like teachers or whatever, they were like, oh, you should study engineering. Or mm. You know what? At the end, I didn't end that far. I changed by, uh, for biochemistry, which is like similar, but it's not the same. So uh, I don't know. I thought I was going to like it more. Like, mm. never, my parents never told me what to study. They were happy with whatever I do. 
but um, I don't know. I didn't like it when I was there. Then I changed to um, to biochemistry, and it was completely a different story. I love it, and I don't know. You know, sometimes it's not even the what you're studying is the energy or. Yeah, that makes sense. What was the energy behind biochemistry that attracted you? Um, it was maybe more practical than mm. chemical engineer. We have uh, we spent a lot of time in the lab. And um, maybe also I got uh, like a um, beautiful circle of friends and mm. uh, people studying together, like, you know, so that made a, a change completely. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. Awesome. Mm. So you're in your college studies or university studies and you studied biochemistry. Did you graduate with that? No, I didn't finish. Because of that? <laughs> like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. When I was like in it, this is four years here, mm-hmm. and in the third kind of, uh, I was getting too many bookings, too many traveling, and so I had to make a, a choice. I moved to Barcelona mm-hmm. because, like, especially a couple of years ago, it was difficult to travel from Sevilla. And so I moved to Barcelona thinking maybe I can make it better because the, the travelings are easier, are shorter mm-hmm. and so so on. But still, it was too much because, you know, you travel all the weekends and people maybe don't realize about that. But we usually almost don't sleep. Like flights are early, you come back super mm-hmm. tired. Definitely. And then the next day you need to wake up early and be focused and... It was too much, so um, I had to make a decision. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can study anytime in my life, but mm. what I'm doing now, I don't know if I'm going to have that chance, you know, For in sure. a couple of, let's do it now. Yeah, that makes and, sense. Yeah, I'm happy with the decision at the end. Definitely. So you said that you're getting a lot of bookings. So let's backtrack just a little bit. And when did the booking start for you? Because you mentioned that you were in this uh, bigger school where they had all kinds of different dancing. And you said you're learning how to teach and other areas of dance. So how did that translate into bookings? And which kind of bookings were you getting? Were you getting Kizuma bookings? Or were you in the Latin dance scene first? What was your first partner dance? <laughs> So, how can I make a long story short? (laughs) (laughs) I've been teaching since I remember, like, let's say anything, like maths when I was Mm. seven or eight, uh, to my other friends in, you know, in class. I always had that feeling that I like teaching. I don't know why. And I started very small, like 14, I was teaching already dance. And then I had like a title. Um, that permits me to teach in the extra hours at school, you know, for mm-hmm. kids or whatever. So I was teaching everything like a, like funky, we call it here. It's like mm. hip hop stuff and flamenco. And um, then I started learning more. And I had that friend who was a breaker, and he was like, "Hey, I know some people. There's uh, salsa, whatever. Let's go. Let's try." And I came there and I loved it. 
Mm. I, I felt very weird at the beginning because I wasn't wearing that that clothes that people see me now, like super tight. I was mm-hmm. XXL. I was explaining that in another interview as well. Mm-hmm. Like I was XXL hip hop person, you know, mm. like yeah. that feeling. And I was like that that I don't know. It does not look. Mm, I don't know, nice to me, but sure. when I see people dancing and like sharing uh, old people with young people from everywhere, mm, I like the the atmosphere and the energy so much mm-hmm. that I just got into salsa and bachata more, like doing com- little competitions and and then you know when you start competing and creating choreographies or in um, dance companies and so on. They start with little bookings like in your city, in the city next to yours, and you. like leader by leader, you start growing. Yeah, I got you. So those are the bookings that you had that were, let's say, mostly in Spain or maybe close by to Spain. Yeah, exactly. And then you just yeah, you continue the way. Yeah, at the beginning was um, yeah, salsa and bachata, especially bachata, and mm-hmm. then I met Cortis. And I moved uh, for a while into Kisomba. And mm-hmm. now it's like a bit of everything, to be honest. That, that makes me very happy. Like, I can teach. Uh, <laughs> there was a festival I was supposed to be having like two months ago or mm-hmm. whatever. And it, it was cool because in the flyer, I was in the Sasa and in the Vetsada and in the Kisomba. Nice. And that was pretty funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel like maybe over the last maybe five or six years. I feel like before the idea was that one person stayed in one particular genre and they didn't really vary out to teach other genres, you know, but I I could, I could say that I kind of noticed over the years, especially into now, now it's more common for maybe an artist to be multidisciplined in different genres and to actually get bookings. Whereas before, like if you saw somebody trying to do too many things, it like detracted away from like their main genre. Did you did you feel that way as well? Yeah, before, especially like Kisoma World was very close to that. Mm. And but I think it's like it's natural, first of all, because well, Kisoma World, let's say it's a bit different, but in salsa or bachata scene, usually dancers they not only dancers and bachata, like let's say some comes from ballet or contemporary or mm-hmm. hip hop or whatever. And so they get involved in different styles. And then for organizers, it's also interesting because you're having one artist that can maybe teach different things. And like um, maybe you are in one of them a bit better or a bit different or whatever, but if you are a good teacher, you're going to be a good teacher in everything mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. So it's also interesting for them, I think. Definitely. And another thing that you said that kind of sparked my curiosity was when you were in the big dance school, you were studying teaching in dance. And I know mm-hmm not many artists get a chance to kind of learn professionally how to teach and dance. And I'm pretty sure you've seen with artists coming around, like sometimes it's just you got asked to teach from an organizer because you had a viral video, but that doesn't mean that you study dance. So, and maybe even the salsa world, you can be like a super awesome performer, but that doesn't mean that you have the skills to like teach levels and like, okay, are you teaching performance? Are you teaching social dancing? 
What was your experience coming from your background with that training into now, like, I guess, the, the SBK festival world and kind of seeing those um, different things in, in the lack of teaching? Well, so to be honest, sometimes for me, it's very disappointing. Mm. Just like that. And I'm going to say like that because it's what I feel sometimes. It's like sometimes we get a bit confused uh, in what it's a good teacher and what is a good dancer or mm. a good performer or a good social person dancer or whatever. And there is this is a mistake, like to put someone who is maybe exceptional in performing, but it's not a good teacher. Mm. Instead of taking someone uh, not that famous or not that viral, like you say, to teach if they are better on this, it's like, there are, those are two completely different things. It's like myself, even me, I do consider myself better teacher than maybe dancer. It's like, mm. maybe I'm not particularly wow or whatever, but I know what I'm doing. It's like, mm. and there's so many people who have studied for this or who, I don't know, you know, been doing ballet for 10 years and then they come to someone's class. And they don't know how to develop a movement or they don't know how to get the energy of the people or, you know. So it is sad that the people goes for the um, like famous people mm -hmm. from who they're not going to learn much instead of going for real teachers. And I'm talking about customers and also about organizers. Like there should be a better balance and... In between, you know, because if someone is crazy good in performing or in social, pay them for that. It's like, yeah, this, is their job, this is what they are good at. So why did everybody needs to do everything? Maybe that's not the way. Mm. I don't know. That's my, my opinion. <laughs> no, I definitely share your opinion. And it just makes me think like, Okay, let's say yoga, for example, you know, like it's a different industry and there's like a structure in certification, you know, it's like, okay, how many hours certification have you had, et cetera, et cetera. If you are a pilot, you know, you count the number of hours that you've been in the air and things like that. And I think maybe in dance, we need to have like a better structure of like, how do you tell how far somebody has taken classes or trained with or maybe there's a test or something at an international level, yeah. you know, because it's, I guess it's kind of different because like you can be famous in the Kizomba world, but then a salsa organizer who doesn't know a lot about Kizomba mm. hires that person because he's popular. He wants to sell tickets. And yeah, like I feel like maybe you're a person who realizes, hey, I need to get better at my teaching. How do I get better? Where do you go to like find those people, you know? So, Yeah. I feel like sometimes but, some people go ahead. Yeah. Like this, what you're saying about an organizer, then it's not, uh, how can I say not too hard? No, go ahead. You can <laughs> talk. I mean, that the organization does not take care much about its festival. Like I have the best, um, the best, uh, let's say experience or whatever I can compare with. I live with Tanya, you know, Tanya mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. Hungary and Tanya. Yes. We were dancing Tanya, the super organizer of Sweden. Yes. And they don't book anything they haven't seen mm. doing their thing before. So let's say they're not going to get a DJ if they have never seen him before, or they're not going to hire a couple to teach if they have never seen before 
them mm. teaching. And it should be like that, no? So what? You just um, saw a video of someone and you invite, <laughs> invite them to the festival and maybe, I don't know, maybe they are just a mess or maybe it's not even teaching. Maybe they mm. are rude people or, you know, it's like they're risking their own events or whatever. Uh, the it's reputation like, of the event for sure. Yeah. But I've heard from many, uh, many artists that like, hey, my my entry into starting to go to festivals was one particular video got famous and boom, I got contacted by a whole bunch of organizers. But there wasn't any like qualification screening as far as teaching. And maybe some people get lucky and like they listen and they really want to add value. And so they get better along the way versus like their first bookings to their like 100 booking. But that's not always the case, you know, so and maybe even mm. for the organizer, like I want to become a good organizer. What are some best practices that I should follow? Oh, you should go and take the classes of the artists that you want to hire to make sure they're a good fit. You know, these kind of things. Yeah, and maybe for some people mm-hmm, or exactly having a team to kind of field these people. So I definitely agree. It's good to like make sure that the people that you hire are are of quality and, and things like that and make sure that they have good energy in your classes because if they make the students happy and they give them real value and it's good energy, then those people are going to want to come back to your event again, you know? So yeah, yeah. it makes a lot of sense, but I guess we, we common sense isn't common. So we have to figure out how to find the, the real value, you know? And mm-hmm. I like how you said before, Um, I've talked to some other organizers and it's not just on, I guess it's across everybody because you have artists, you have the organizers and you have the consumers, you know, and I forgot who told me this, but he was telling me like, there's a difference between catering to students in your class and catering to consumers. And if you're just looking for consumers, people who are going to buy in the hype and just Mm want to record the video at the end, because they know the demos get you more bookings. So now all the artists are focused on the demo portion of the workshop so much. But then if you have students who are hungry to learn actual dance technique, then those people are going to be looking for a good class uh, technique versus the the hype of a demo or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's like a, a responsibility among all of those three people, you know? It's not just particularly one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Kizomba. You said that you met Curtis. How was that meeting? Where did you meet him? What was your thoughts of Kizomba when you first started? That kind of thing. I didn't like Kizomba. <laughs> no, it's just because um, in my city in Sevilla, there was there is not a good level, like still nowadays. And mm. it was more like what was coming from Portugal, which mm. is super cool. Two hours driving, and I didn't like that style. And but in the festival with Sara Panero, we were there, and it was Christopher there. And when I danced with him, I was like, mm, maybe I'm gonna like that. Mm. It was different. The music. Um, Which Christopher are we talking about? I'm sorry. He can't. Okay, I got you. The the, the guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, he's absolutely amazing, you know, and his mm-hmm. reading and the um, steps he has in his sure. mind. I don't even know how much, how he can remember <laughs> everything. And, and I danced um, there and I was, oh, 
maybe I'm gonna like that, but I wasn't sure or whatever. And mm -hmm. I met Curtis while I was teaching in Gothenburg in Sweden. Mm -hmm. I was teaching bachata there with the biscuit. And he saw me in the classes or whatever. He saw me at the night and we were like kind of dancing a bit. And he was like, oh, you should come, come to Paris, let's train. Mm -hmm. You will see, you're going to love it, blah, blah, blah. And of course, when you go to Paris, which is the, you know, <laughs> the main point of our mm -hmm. rank is, then you're like, what? What is that? Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that in my life. And it was, yeah, it was super cool. I came to that DJ chat party and I was like, what is that? I can and imagine. I got amazed about that. Yeah. Did you go to uh, park football? Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's I a really fun place to go. Mm. So you met Curtis. How, what were your thoughts of urban kids compared to salsa bachata? Was it like how did you feel about the music? Let's start there. Yeah, like like the difference was the music for me. Mm. Like I love it, and the, re the remixes even or like mm -hmm. all like Ita Mendes or Adim or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the the energy. So yeah, of course, like. We can't forget the roots, the Kizomba roots or whatever, mm -hmm. but of course, for especially for European people who are not used to listen to more F African songs or whatever, it's definitely just for your ear. It's like it makes more sense those new remixes or sure. that different style was developing also in the music because it's mm -hmm. the thing that. It's like it's just like in bachata. It's like central bachata didn't come just like this. It's because the music was changing. So mm -hmm. here it's the same. So of course, when I found myself more identified with that music, I I just liked it more, mm -hmm. and also the dancing because again, it's like uh, we don't have in our body probably those kizomba or those samba moves or hips movement or mm -hmm. that flow or whatever. So urban kids probably it, it will go more with our way to dance on mm -hmm. like, for example, northern countries, more like Sweden or Norway or whatever. They are more into hip hop than, than something even similar to, to Kizomba or to Semba or to any African dances. So that's why I think people like loved more in Europe that way dance of dance. Exactly. Than For sure. Uh, it's the same thing here in the United States because I mean, R&B and hip hop came from here. Yeah. So now when we're hearing remixes of Genuine and Usher and Ashanti and Beyonce, we're like, Ah, so good. I just did an interview with uh, David Rella, who did the remix of My Boo and um, Say My Name. And it's yeah, like, it's not it. even the actual Beyonce lyrics. It's a cover of Beyonce. But like, mm -hmm. obviously, if you grew up with Destiny's Child and I'm a survivor, all that kind yeah. of stuff, it just brings so much nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So I love the kids remixes. So, yeah, that's awesome. So tell us more about the story of Kizomba. You went to Paris. You saw DJ Chad's party, you fell in love, and then what happened yeah. next? And then um, at that moment, I didn't know what to do because I was training with someone known in Batata in Salsa as well. And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do, but I felt like an amazing energy with Curtis. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to partner and travel mm -hmm. the world together. Mm -hmm. And that's just how it started. 
Mm. I I used to follow my heart a lot, maybe too much, but mm. I just did what I I felt like in that moment. I got you. And how was your introduction into the the Kizomba world? You started to travel to go to festivals. You started to meet other Kizomba artists. What was going through your mind at that particular moment? <laughs> if you can remember. The only thing I didn't like it is that I saw it so divided, like mm. between Kizomba and Orbankis and so on. I was there when everything was a... Mm -hmm. It was Cortez and myself, it was Anna and Carolina, it was Moon and Carol against the world almost. And uh, for me, that makes no sense, but I understand it because it's all, it also happened in Bachata. But um, it's like uh, dancing is, is also uh, something that, how can I say, evolutes? Evolves. It's, it's an evolution. Yeah, evolves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, just natural that um, it had that urban kiss theme that mm -hmm. makes more sense for the rest of the world. And um, I don't know, but I do respect people um, like from the origins and people who does what is the roots. And mm -hmm. I like it too, but I don't feel it the same. Of course, it's like I can spend hours dancing urban, but mm -hmm. or. or I'm more fusion, not even that urban now. I, I like to fusion, but, mm -hmm. but I like it also like the proper Kizoma or Semba sure. or it's fun. But yeah, maybe that's not what it's like, you know, I feel Most more calling your spirit. No, definitely. I felt the same way. So my exposure to Kizomba was in June of 2012. And this is when like Albir and Felicien they were like mm. the ones that were there. And then, of course, Anna, Moon, and Curtis came afterwards. But um, my first private lesson was with Albir. So that really just skewed mm. my view towards that one. And he was dancing hip hop to the remixes and things like that. And I think now maybe we're getting to a moment to where like we can like respect each other. And you can't hate on happiness, you know, just because you like one or the other doesn't mean that you should be ignorant or talk down mm -hmm. about the other because it's all the same. Mm -hmm. uh, if you take a look at salsa, there's so many different styles of salsa and nobody's yeah. really saying, oh, no, on one is better, two is are better. No, Cuban is sucks. You no, know, like it's just like fine. Yeah, the one now, like maybe a couple of years ago, like let's say 20 years ago, maybe not. It's mm -hmm. like it's like in the top like that. I think this is normal and natural. Like um, it just takes time. Things, yeah, it takes time. New things, but um, it's not an intelligent way to think, in my opinion. Like, mm. um, let's say, you know, here flamenco. I see anywhere in the world someone uh, trying to learn learn flamenco, and then they mix it with whatever they dancing in in their country. And I, I will just be glad of this and mm. happy. And, because like, no matter what, they are interested in my culture, in my thing. Mm. And it's just beautiful to see other ways to do it. Like, mm -hmm. as long as, as they respect the roots, mm -hmm. which doesn't even mean that they have to, to, to do them. Exactly. Like, it doesn't mean that you have to erase your identity and take on their no. identity. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Nice. So... You are partners with Curtis and you started to travel and get more well-known and things like that. And from that point to now, like what has been your role in the Kizoma scene? Because I've seen you do demos with 
Jojo, and I, I think you were partners with Mike Evans as well. And mm-hmm. the, there's a story behind that. We don't have to get into all that craziness. But um, kind of another thing that I've seen in the Kizoma scene as well, and I guess compared to other scenes, is that like there seems to be like more switching of partners, or maybe there's not even a, a partner to begin with, and there's more solo male artists to begin with. Do you see mm-hmm. that in the salsa bachata world as much, or do you think it's something that happens in just Kizomba and? Yes, go ahead. It's you like, can speak freely. It's like a Kisomba like issue, yes, for sure. It's like, um, sadly, still a very mature world. It's mm. changing. I've seen the changes, like, especially since I split with uh, Curtis. Mm. I got many bookings myself alone or collaborating with different artists or whatever, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. But still being that culture where the male artists are maybe like more famous or more recognized than females it's like like there are not so many solo girls mm-hmm. it's like sara yes of course and not so many you know but but men they can just go to any festival and teach with whoever they want and mm-hmm. it's, it's you know and for sure you won't see that in the salsa and bachata scene i don't know if they change that that frequent or of or not of partner, but you won't see a male teacher almost mm, never teaching with someone who just started yesterday. Mm. Just because beautiful. I'm sorry to be that honest, but this happens in Kisoma because she's gonna look nice in the video. Mm-hmm. He's gonna teach with her, and that's not gonna happen in Sasan Bachata. It's like. If um, Bachata, um, I don't know, let's say Daniel and Desire, Daniel goes without <laughs> Desire, why should people going to be, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and not only for her, it's like um, another couple or whatever, it's like at least if they put a good quality teacher, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like as long as girls can understand or whatever, but there's, it's, also, it's always important to have those two, you know, it's, it's important, like, to know Definitely. what the girl is doing, to know what the man is doing, to be able to... And it's at, at the end, it's a team. It's like, when I teach with one of my partners or pers- uh, mm-hmm. people who I collaborate with, like Juan, mm-hmm. it's like, we complete each other. And even sometimes I don't remember something about the girl, so mm-hmm. he remembers me, and I can then explain and, and this the opposite as well maybe i'm like one remember them to be uh, careful with this living because we women we feel it like this or like mm-hmm. that so it's a team and like girls ask for that in the salsa and the bachata like mm-hmm. i think the problem is that the customers female uh, students in kisoma they don't complain mm-hmm. they should because they should have a woman you know Figure a quality instructor. Yeah, of course. It's like, it doesn't matter if, if they are partner or not or whatever. Like uh, when I do some collaboration uh, with Ronnie, for example, mm-hmm. it's not my partner, but we sometimes work or whatever. There's room for, for both of us to, to speak, to explain, to mm-hmm. everything. And we don't fight to speak more or less. It's like some days is you, some days is me, but we just want to give a, a quality class. For so sure. it's required to have a follow and a leader for that, you know? 
And the thing that I really, really like that you said is like, hey, don't forget to tell the leads that the follows feel it like this. And so now you're taking the leader out of his own, I guess, bubble. And now he's mm-hmm. thinking about how his lead is being received by the person that he's dancing with. It doesn't make sense to only focus on the leading. And then you're getting all your instruction from a guy who doesn't follow, but then you want to dance with the follows all night long. It's like, why not get the the, the thumbs up from a follow who's feeling your lead, you know? And mm-hmm. one thing that I like to say as well, is like I can teach a guy 1000 moves, but it doesn't move, mean anything until he dances with a girl and through all of those 1000 moves. And it feels nice to to her, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting sometimes to see like some guy says, oh, well, in class, when I do this, you're supposed to do this. But then it's like, well, if you're so good, why don't you switch roles and see how it feels to kind of like interact, you know, but. It's, it's interesting for sure. But I think now we're starting to see I more guys that, that are following. What'd you say? Yeah, I saw more guys following and also many girls leading. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love leading. Of course, I don't have that many moves, mm-hmm. but it's important to to get connected and to know what the other person is feeling in mm-hmm. order to get better yourself. Also, it, it can be very like, I don't know. I enjoy it when I lead. It's different. It is, I don't know. But it will be interesting that they're, they're like, I try to do it sometimes in my classes to switch roles, mm-hmm. but there should be even more workshops about this, but people are still not that open-minded. Mm-hmm. If you go to the Souk, Brazilian Souk scene, this is more frequent. They, yes, they definitely. Yeah, and they're more open and that makes them much better followers and much better uh, leaders. Mm-hmm. A lot. It's like they because they know the feeling now. They like how can a guy know if he's soft or if he's mm-hmm. too small? He can't know. I understand. He needs to feel it in order to then he can you know tell if he's doing too strong or too soft or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and vice versa for the follower. How does she know if she's soft or heavy or if she's too rushing? Um, mm-hmm. those kind of things until you feel a heavy follow, you're like, oh, okay. I, d- I don't want to feel like this. So when I follow next time, I'm going to try to be lighter or something like that. It just, it's just empathy on both roles. And I definitely exactly. agree that Brazilian Zouk, uh, I feel like there's a, the average dancers at a higher level because of the level of instruction that you have. And that's also another dancing where you don't see a lot of solo instructors, uh, traveling no. around. There's a lot of couples that have been together for some years and you even see a lot of different uh, pedagogies that have been introduced. It's like, hey, this is our approach to teaching the way that we teach. You know, I, I, I'm i dreaming of that day for Kizoma to have like multiple pedagogies to, to teach from, you know, especially in urban kids. Yeah, like I, I feel in Kizoma, they still to open their mind a lot. And now they are too focused like in looking good in mm-hmm. doing cool steps or whatever when the most important when you dance in for me it's like you say empathy and energy it's like that's what you should have first like when you're gonna dance with someone like come on you you're gonna try to do the thousand moves you know mm-hmm. and maybe the 
poor girl is a beginner or he doesn't like to do that is like man feel the energy and same for for the woman sometimes mm-hmm. they even like finishes their the step by themselves mm-hmm. and they're not feeling the energy and this is like the rule one i would say like feeling your partner's you know energy and mm-hmm. yeah like in other like bachata or soup they're more you know it's like or salsa no one is gonna come to you who doesn't know you and he's gonna do three spins in yeah the definitely like, oh, mm-hmm. wait but in kisomba they're able to flip you to do a <laughs> like, come on mm-hmm. yeah. definitely i feel that uh let's talk a little bit about lady styling since you've been around for longer than most follows you've seen kind of like the evolution of like lady styling in in the kisomba world I guess, how did you feel it before? Because it wasn't really as much of a thing before. And now you see a lot more like ladies styling classes and women are learning to style their moves and get more confident, which is totally awesome. And I guess also that shift needs to happen to be able, a lead to be able to give a follow space to even style in a dance. Mm-hmm. So what are be, what have been some things that you've, that you've noticed over the years? I saw also, uh, you didn't talk about this, but I, I saw a growing of male dancers coming mm-hmm. to ladies' talent class, which mm-hmm. is very nice. I used to have always like uh, almost 10% of guys, which is super nice. But yes, it, it has been growing. First is needed, let's say, because there's always more women than mm-hmm. men. This is, this is like that in festivals. And second is like, especially in Kisomba, I think women sometimes, they don't feel themselves when they are dancing because, well, the, the leading maybe is that clo- is so close that mm. they don't have that moment. And so styling is interesting because like the main point for me in styling is not only about doing arms or hips or it's about how you feel the music how you put your energies how you connect how you can use your own musicality to do small things that don't even interrupt um the, the male leading mm-hmm. and i think that the girls were seeing that um useful Mm-hmm. So they were asking more for that, and that's why the lady styling thing is growing. I think it's very useful, and it should not be only for women. Actually, mm-hmm. it, it should be more also for, for more men because sometimes we do like hip is iso- isolation or body isolation, or um, I don't know little tricks or little things you can do. So if you as a man, you know what the girl can do. Mm. Then, as you say, give space or something, you can connect more with the other person on play and um, have more fun. Yeah, that makes sense. For sure. Yeah, it's just learning more about each other's role, even if it's not your dominant role, about how how, how it works and what's a good feeling versus a bad feeling or if you're feeling too restricted. And of course, like personal preference is a thing as well to figure out like Mm. every follow is not going to like exactly the same thing. But if you're open to listen and see like, how is that particular follow feeling in that particular moment with this type of song, then you can kind of adapt better to your partner for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. So um, before we get close to the end of the podcast, I have kind of like this lightning round section where I ask some more personal questions. 
uh, just so mm-hmm. people can get to know you better, like as a person, you know? Okay. All right. Um, what would you say is your favorite childhood memory? My favorite, my favorite what? Your favorite childhood memory. <gasps> like, um, I don't know, the summers in the house my parents have in the beach. Mm. And uh, playing with my brother, like Nintendo, you know? Nintendo mm. 64. <laughs> and playing football outside and in the beach, doing building castles and the so sand on. castles and stuff. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um how many brothers do you have? Or is it just one? Just one, yes. He's okay. four years younger than me. I got you. So you're the oldest? Mm, yeah. Nice. I'm the oldest of eight. Which is oh, crazy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Eight. Mm-hmm. That must be crazy. I was already driving crazy just <laughs> one one with one, you know? Mm-hmm. So eight? Oh. Yeah. Did you have to change your brother's diapers? No, okay. I was too small. Mm, so I had to change a lot of diapers. So that's that's what you wow. missed out on. <laughs> wow. Okay. No, uh, it's only for four years, so mm, I didn't have that. Makes sense. Now, since I mentioned diapers, are you, I know this is not part of the questions, but are you planning to like have kids or a family? Is that something that you're hoping for or not really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I had it super clear when I was younger, mm. but now that I'm getting older, it's like, like my birthday is uh, next week. It's on the when 8th. You, my 8th. birthday is on the 11th. Yeah, I know. I remember just Sagittarius like mm-hmm. me. I'm turning 29 mm-hmm. and now I'm like, I have no idea what I want to do. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I guess you have some time. So, <laughs> so I can like find as out. As far as the biological clock, but this, I guess the, the shift is definitely happening that a woman doesn't necessarily have to have kids anymore. She doesn't need protection from like a man or a, a head of household. Women are more independent now to like do their own thing. Is that kind of the yeah. case in, in Europe as well? Yeah. Like when you were like, I've, I've born in a very common normal family my Mm -hmm. parents are together since they are 20 and they're now 55 and Mm -hmm. and you know that's all i know so maybe when i was younger i had that in my mind so i was more about you know but the truth is that since i'm very small i moved from home very small and then i've been living by myself all this time Mm -hmm. and never had like a real you know um common relationship uh, with a guy or whatever so yeah maybe i don't have that need to someone to take care of me Mm -hmm. and so on i love kids i love Mm -hmm. them like i've been teaching kids uh, all my life and i love them and so on but i don't know if i would like to have minds or not i don't know (laughs) no worries Okay, uh, next question. What is your favorite animated movie? Mm, I have many. (laughs) Maybe top three, top five, top ten. Buscando a Nemo. I love it. Okay, Finding Nemo. Uh huh. Okay, so uh huh. I don't know. And I like all the fairy tales, the Sirenita. I don't know how to say Cinderella. No! The, the Ariel. Oh, the, um, the Little the Mermaid. Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Yeah, that was my favorite because my mom used to tell me I'm a mermaid because mm. when I was around the swimming pool or the sea, I was all the time in the water. Nice. And you know, I love, I love it. Like um, almost every week, I see some, <laughs> I see a new film or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> did you uh, have any like mermaid dolls or like backpacks or t-shirts or anything? I, I do. I actually do. And a lot of Mickey stuff. I don't have any <laughs> but I do. I do love it. And um, I collect dolls. Uh, mm. And so I have them yeah, somewhere in a box, but I have them a okay. lot. Like uh, all the Disney stuff, Barbies, whatever. Mm -hmm. Nice, yeah, nice, like nice. It. Okay. And besides collecting dolls, what <laughs> other interesting quirks do you have that not a lot of people know about you? I don't know. Like anything? Anything. I don't know. I like studying and learning. And it's weird if I'm not subscribed to a master or to a language course or to something mm. or to I have a book uh, to learn something yeah. or... I'm very um, nerd about, I don't know, like one day I wake up and I'm like, oh, why the seas goes up and down mm. during the day and I want to study and I'm like, okay, is the moon doing this? I mm -hmm. don't know. I'm very crazy about this. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> then that's, it's just like figuring out the way that the world works, you know? Um, what yeah. have you been studying recently? Like the last thing I've been studying seriously, it was uh, web developing and coding. Mm. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, Have you heard of Webflow? What is that? It's it's you know like WordPress. You know like it's just like a platform that you can build your site on, and that's like the structure mm -hmm. of how you build your site okay. with like the posts and the categories and everything. Webflow is kind of like another version of okay. WordPress, and it's pretty cool the way that they handle your content and how you can display it dynamically on your site. Uh, I've made my switch to that this year, actually, and mm. it's been a learning curve, but I really, really like it. So I can send you a video to like give you an overview and see if that's something that you might be interested in as well. Pretty sure, yes. I love this, <laughs> this things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the next thing, since you said that you are a nerd, there's been this thing that I've been working on for like the past three months, which is called building a second digital brain. So it's like, imagine if you had two brains, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So basically yeah. there's this one program called Notion and it's mm -hmm. really cool how you could set up different areas of your life and like take notes, uh, keep track of your bills, your finances, create databases of different things. So like in Notion now, I have a database of kids remixes. I have a database <laughs> of demos. I have a database of like my monthly subscriptions. So they're not surprising me like when they renew and things like that. I'm keeping track of all the times that I play tennis with who and where. So you get to like create wow. all of these custom things. If you have time one day, we can like do a screen share and I can show you the things. But if you're a nerd, maybe it might be really cool. It's been really cool for me to like, just like, oh, I have this idea. Let me organize my thoughts and like put it in a table and then sort it and organize it and filter it. It's been, it's been really cool. That sounds cool, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can see how excited I got talking about that. <laughs> 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 but that's been pretty cool. And I've learned it from these other- you're a nerd too. Yes, definitely. 
but it definitely was cool because I watched these other videos that talked about building a second brain. It's like this course that you can enroll in. And this is things that mm -hmm. I've learned from them. So it's been pretty cool. Definitely. Okay, Macarena. So we have two things before the end of the podcast that we have to handle. The first one is letting people know how to reach you. And of course, letting people know how to find out about your clothes shop. And mm -hmm. the last thing would be an inspirational quote or saying or piece of advice for the dance world. Okay. And so the first one is easy. Uh, <laughs> how to find me. So you can just write Magarena Patong anywhere and you will find me. So I'm easy to find. And uh, my shop is Dance Shop on Instagram. And the web is also www.danceliveshop.com. And so a quote or whatever. Um, well, I will just say that people, if you love dancing, just um, be more open-minded and be patient because this coronavirus thing, mm -hmm. it looks like it's going to take long, but um, just take advantage of this different time to develop new things, to learn online, to meet people and family. And yeah, I hope we're going to meet together, everybody, and dance and party on festival again. Mm -hmm. um, I hope it's, it's going to be in 2021. We don't know yet, but yes. Yeah. Definitely. Thanks for taking some time to share your story with us. It's been really, really awesome. And yeah, this this year has definitely been really, really, really crazy. And I think it's going to be important for us to to be patient and find a way or find a way to like develop other things, like you said, because we have to find we have to wait until it's safe. You know, we can't risk um, our lives for dance, even though I guess some people would be willing to do that yet. But it's yeah. I guess we're still learning more about the virus and things like that, you know. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. It was awesome to have you on the show. And I'm going to say it again. I'll send you the, the video on Webflow and I'll send you a video yes. about Notion just so you can see. It might be something that's interesting to you. Notion is uh, free, so it's pretty cool to even get started and just start oh. putting things in your brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Macarena, thanks so much for your time. And mm -hmm. I wish you a happy birthday coming up. And yes, you too. <laughs> and we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.